Good morning, church. It's good to be with all of you here today. Um, as they mentioned earlier, Doug is actually out of uh, town with our youth ministry today at the Soul Link Conference along with several adults. So if it looks like a little low consensus in here and we have a gap up here, it's because they're down in Houston. They're coming back today. So we pray for their uh, safe return. Uh, for those of you who may be visiting, we're glad you're here. I am not the normal preacher. Uh, Doug's going to be back next week, and he's going to be kicking off a new series uh, that's going to be leading up to Easter. Um, but we are glad that you're here and hope that you come back. I, however, was tasked with wrapping up the series uh, when Doug asked me to preach that we've been in since the beginning of the year, basically, called Life Together. And I'm thankful for that opportunity to, to deliver that message to you today. And today, as we wrap up our series, we'll be discussing the context of community in bearing one another's burdens. And I think after that last song that we sang, I don't know if I necessarily need to preach because that song was uh, very indicative of what we're about to stay together. Uh, but before we dive into that, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we just come before you and thank you for this time of worship and uh, to be in community with, with one another and with you. And uh, Lord, we, I just pray that you would speak through me this morning and use me uh, as, as, a, to, as an instrument of yours today. Uh, we also pray for our youth ministry and Doug and Chris and, and all the kids that are on their way back today. Give them a safe return. Uh, bless us this week and as we leave from here. We love you. It's yours. And we pray. Amen. So how many of you have ever climbed a mountain before? Do we have any brave people in here that have climbed? A, a few of you in the back. A few of you in the back have climbed a mountain before. I know I don't look like it, but I actually did climb a mountain about a decade ago. Uh, some of you growing up may have participated in an event called Wilderness Trek. A lot of times youth groups will do it to teach team building and working together and that you can't get through life on your own and on your own accord. But uh, I, I got the chance to go on one of these Wilderness Treks about a decade ago. Uh, and it's, you learn a lot in the three days that you're in the mountains kind of roughing it and learning all, all the, the survival techniques of living in the wilderness. But I thought it'd be a fun experience, so I went, and uh, we were in the collegiate peaks of southern Colorado. Uh, we spent a couple days at base camp, kind of getting used to the altitude change, and then began our journey with our guides up the mountain. On our second day of hiking, we summited, and I think it was about a 13,000-foot mountain, if I remember correctly. Uh, but what was even neater is that we summited on my 17th birthday, which is on August 12th. Uh, right after reaching the summit and kind of celebrating everything, we began our descent uh, with one more night on the trail before we began our return to base camp. Uh, but what I wasn't necessarily expecting was that there was this small leftover patch of snow we had to cross. On the end of this four-inch deep snowpack was a drop-off with big jagged rocks going down the mountain. That's when I realized why they're called the Rockies. But this snow had obviously frozen, melted, and then refrozen again. So it wasn't normally the, the fluffy snow that we see in all the movies and that we don't get down here in Texas because we're too far south. But our guides then informed us that we would have to cross this snowpack, which was about 15 feet long, to get to the other side to go down the rest of our trail. And the entire time I was standing there, I was thinking, I sure hope I don't die on my 17th birthday. That would not be a very good thing to happen. <laughs> But people began to cross one by one, and uh, on their, one of our trip sponsors helped each one of us kind of as we made our way across. Uh, but then it finally came my time to cross. I was kind of one of those ones that kind of held back, just waiting and waiting and staying nervous. And I gathered myself together, 
And uh, while holding one of our sponsor's hands, I walked and eventually grabbed the other sponsor's hands on the other side. And we obviously know by me being here today, I did not, in fact, die on my 17th birthday, which was a good, which was very good. But we have these moments in our lives that even a decade later, we remember how we felt, what occurred, and we can visualize what happened and those who were there for us. And that's what in, what's interesting is that it's times of severe challenge that results in us emerging as stronger people. A good physical reminder and picture of, of what working through our challenges looks like is in a labyrinth. Have any of you ever walked a labyrinth? Here's what it looks like. You typically find them in the parking lots of churches, ACU, the college that I went to. It has them on campus that I walked a time or two. But it's a practice dating back in Christianity to the fourth century. And it may just kind of look like a maze, but there's more going on than what meets the eye. A labyrinth is an experience and journey And like life, it has its twists and turns, roadblocks, and moments of victory. But in walking, when one encounters these roadblocks, they're able to reflect upon their life, their relationship with God, and put their faith and maybe even their burdens into perspective. As we hear from time to time, it's not the destination, but the journey to get there. And that's what labyrinths provide, just like climbing a mountain. A journey that puts things in perspective for us in our spiritual life. Because once one reaches the center of the labyrinth, it's like reaching the center of oneself with God. But when we walk through those twists and turns in our life, we remember those who were there for us along the way and see how the Holy Spirit guided us through it. So as I mentioned earlier, over the last several weeks, we've been talking about what various aspects of life together are in Christian community. And as we wrap up the series today, talking about bearing one another's burdens, we're going to be in the book of Galatians, uh, starting in chapter 5, verse 13. And uh, since this letter uh, didn't have chapters in it when it was sent to the church in Galatia, we're going to read right on into chapter 6. So we'll be covering uh, quite a bit of territory this morning. But if you would, turn with me to Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Galatians 5, 13. It says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Brothers and sisters, if one of you is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted." 
Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone, without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So what we have here is Paul writing to the church in Galatia, trying to help them see a bigger picture of kingdom living. And we have these diverse groups of people coming together, the Jews and the Gentiles, who both hold a lot of strong opinions. Kind of like if you were to get a set of UT alums and A&M alums in the same room. They're going to have a lot of opinions between one each other. But Paul tells them throughout this letter that their unification as Christians is not in works or in laws, but in Christ. And this unity is found in each one of us that possesses the Holy Spirit through our belief in Jesus. Therefore, if we are going to be unified as a people, we must stay focused on our purpose and oneness in Christ. And as part of this unification, Paul specifically mentions how we are to care for one another. Because if you can't get past your division, how can you be an effective church? And an important function of getting over our division is through understanding that we are all in the same spiritual battle together as imperfect humans trying to walk and model our lives in the spirit of Christ. Because this isn't just about life on earth. It's the full battle for our souls. Therefore, Paul speaks directly to how we are to do good for one another and watch out for one another. And it is through this that he speaks the importance of bearing one another's burdens. And two overarching types of burdens are mentioned in this. Those that are a product of sin in our lives and those that are a product of living in a fallen world. Because if we're going to do life together and be the church, we have to have a place to turn whenever life's burdens get in the way. And in this letter, Paul is breaking through the human tendency to shy away from our burdens because we hide them well. We hide it so well, in fact, that he says in verse 3 that if anyone thinks they are something they are not, they deceive themselves. We withdraw to our own self when we're facing burdens, internalizing them because we're trying to keep our own composure. Kind of like this backpack right here. Ugh. Many of us carry this on our backs right now. It's what, what we hide is inside of it. This backpack is full of bricks. We let our failures, our habitual sin, or our problems at work, school, or with our family weigh us down. So where do we turn when that diagnosis is made, when a spouse walks out after years of commitment, when you're given the pink slip at work, or when you fail a, uh, a big test? Just where do you turn because the bricks start to collect and can weigh you down fast? But if we are going to be Christians in community with one another, we must realize that, one, we are not an island on our own. Two, all of us have burdens. And three, our burdens and failures don't define us. And we need to know that in sharing burdens, we approach it from a position of humility because you may be able to bear someone's burdens right now, but in a month or two, they may be bearing the burdens that you have. I love the way that N.T. Wright uh, sums up the passage that we read. He says, here's the paradox of genuine community living. All for each and each for all. 
But one cannot slide through hoping that other people's devotions and godliness will suffice and that one does not need to worry about oneself. Bearing burdens is a group effort. It takes a village because when one of us is down, the rest of us can hold the other person up. And that's something, if you think about, that we do as a communal body here, and that we've been moving toward doing more in smaller groups. Uh, because before we started this Life Together series, we had what we call Reflection Sunday, a time when all of us could to look back at the year and, and kind of give our year in review of changes that happen in people's lives and, and celebrate great things that happen, but also share in the pains of life and what took place that year. One thing, however, that I notice is that in these stories of pain is where a lot of times we see the hand of God even more present. For example, our grief share ministry that Vicki Milner discussed this morning, that morning. This is a small group of people that joined together to bear one another's burdens during some of the most vulnerable times of their lives when they've lost close family members and friends. And through their tears and relationships built with one another, they find a safe and loving environment of connection. And that's part of Paul's message here for us, that it all begins with being in community with one another despite what differences we may have. Because we need to know that sharing our burdens isn't just an option, it's an integral part of kingdom living. Have you ever thought of sharing burdens in community and mourning together as a regular spiritual practice? I don't think it's one that we're really fond of or that we we're going to gravitate toward because uh, that's, that's not very natural for us as human beings. We want to practice the good things that are, that are positive, praising God, prayer, works of service, things that make us feel good. But when it comes to the context of being in community with one another, sharing burdens and mourning together are a powerful way to reflect and care for one another. If you think of the ancient tr Jewish traditions, they place a high value on mourning. For example, whenever someone died, there would be several steps or phases, if you could call it that, which you would go through in the mourning process. It consisted of preparing a meal for a family, followed by seven days of essentially doing nothing, uh, and then following those seven days is 30 days of not attending any celebrations, listening to music, or cutting your hair. There's even a specific prayer that was said over the course of nearly a year for the mourner if their parent passes. And while this practice may be a little bit much in our world today, it should serve as a way to help us understand the spiritual obligation to mourn and to mourn in community. This is even something Jesus talks about in the Sermon on the Mount when he says, Blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And when Jesus says these words, he's not saying, blessed is the one that mourns. He uses the plural, and blessed are those that mourn. And it is we in community that help provide comfort. Because like Doug mentioned last week, us humans are not made as spiritual beings to be trash compactors. We can't keep pressing the burdens of our life down and expect things to get better. And while the big burdens seem to get more attention, we can't compact the small ones because many times the small ones grow into larger ones. Problems at work, in your marriage, parenting your children, couples that may be struggling with infertility, health issues, and the list goes on. God looks at this and says, blessed are all of you when you share these burdens in community. And it's when we have unanswered prayer to some of these issues that we need community to step in and remind us of our identity in Christ. So in her viral TED Talk, Brene Brown, a social work professor at the University of Houston, talks about her research on shame and vulnerability. 
Uh, over the course of several years, she interviewed many people and began seeing this correlation that our feeling of joy, belonging, love, and connection is driven by our ability to be vulnerable. While we might think the opposite of this, vulnerability in sharing who we are and what is going on in our lives is the cornerstone to feeling more connected to others. I love the quote she says in her talk, we are wired for struggle, but worthy for love and belonging. And from the text we read together this morning, this quote couldn't be true of our lives today. Looking back at chapter 6, verse 1, Paul writes, If someone is caught in a sin, you who live by that spirit should restore that person gently. And none of us can be restored if we don't acknowledge that we are wired for struggle, yet worthy of love and belonging. Because life together isn't just about meeting once or twice a week in someone's home, maybe sharing in a meal or studying scripture. While we all want and need that, life together is about acknowledging our struggles and joining together to restore one another gently because the Holy Spirit is in the business of restoration, and that's what we are called to do as we walk together in the Spirit. It's a greater statement to the world that in the face of our personal battles and burdens, we choose to unite around one another because we share a vulnerable space while feeling greater joy, love, and belonging in the process. But beyond what could be just the maybe psychological benefits of being vulnerable and sharing our burdens, there's something greater taking place in each one of us that produces important, lasting change, and that is spiritual formation. Because as we discussed today, bearing our burdens is an integral part of kingdom living because it spiritually forms us to grow in the fruits of the Spirit. I'll say that again. Bearing our burdens spiritually forms us to grow in the fruits of the Spirit. For as we read earlier in Galatians 5, there's a contrast in what one's life is without, without this kind of community and what one's life is with it. For the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those belong, who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited provoking and envying each other. And as I talked in my story earlier about crossing the snow on the mountain, it's about emerging from those challenges and burdens and remembering the people that were there with us to walk through, through those challenges. And while we can experience this on Sunday mornings, and I don't want to discount the significance of the time that we spend together here in worship each week, but to borrow a phrase from our good friend Robin Yeldell, most of our time on Sundays are spent looking at the backs of people's heads. And that's why we spent the last several weeks talking about life together in those small contexts where we can gather together, maybe sharing a meal, and truly be known as a people. Because that's what bearing burdens in community is all about. And it's an opportunity to invite those who may not have that type of community when burdened to know what sharing our lives in Christian community is about. Because if you've ever played tug of war, it's all about holding the rope. And that's what we do for one another. The passages we read today highlight our spiritual warfare and the battles that we face, for there's a stark contrast between living outside of Christian community and being an active part of it. 
and it's having a community there with us in our battles to help us hold the rope and keep us going when we don't have the ability to hold on anymore because us bearing our burdens and trying to fight our spiritual battles on our own is too much for just one person to handle. That's what Paul wants the church in Galatia to understand, and that's his message for us today. That living and experiencing community with one another shouldn't bring frustration and bondage, but freedom. For we are called to be free by loving others, restoring others, carrying each other's burdens, and doing good to all people. And when we merge these principles into our lives, the Holy Spirit harvests within us the qualities and characteristics that are a witness to the world of our faith in Jesus Christ. A life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And when done in community, the church bears these fruits as well. And it's the things that we've talked about over the last six weeks in this series that when the church does them, enhances not only our personal spiritual maturity, but also our communal witness to the world. Topics we've stayed together over the last few weeks, such as bearing with one another, putting others before ourselves, encouraging one another, and confessing to one another, all fit like pieces into a puzzle. But the most important piece that drives all of the other themes we've talked about each week has been to love one another. For everything grows out of love. When we practice starting with this, then it allows us to better do the other things, such as bearing others' burdens. Because it's not about trying to keep up a certain image anymore. It's about being in a community that helps us produce healthy fruit in one another. And most of, as most of us know, community can be difficult. I mean, we have so many different personalities represented here. Different socioeconomic levels, different political affiliations, different age groups, and the list goes on. But what unites us is Jesus Christ, our commitment to him, and our love for one another, where everything grows from. That's what makes Christian community so special. It's a chance to break bread with one another, learn from one another, hear different perspectives, and grow together. So over the next few weeks, uh, we'll be launch relaunching our life groups ministry here at KCOC. And Robin and I have been so grateful to see what God has done so far in this ministry just by the sheer amount of interest that we've had and a bunch of you saying, yes, I want to be involved in a life group. Uh, so we'll, we'll be providing more information about launch dates and, and those sorts of things here in the near future, and we ask that you be in prayer for that ministry. But as we wrap up today's sermon series, I want to take the time to emphasize the importance of what we're about to do following this sermon. Because since the beginning of the year, we started kind of a new tradition, praying over anonymous prayer requests during the shepherd's prayer time, and in a time we've deemed uh, prayers of the people. Many times we've heard the cries of the hearts of people in this church sharing their burdens. And this portion of our service is just a taste of what can we, we can experience in smaller contexts as we get to know one another and grow together. Therefore, before we enter into this time of worship and sharing in the prayers of the people, let's pray together. Dear Father in heaven, I thank you for all that here, who are here today. We thank you for a community, both large and small, and the many ways it both challenges and blesses all of us. I pray for the burdens, both spoken and unspoken, that all of us bear in this room. May we be a people that reach out to help carry the load for others. Restore us, Holy Spirit, as we seek to be instruments of your restoration in others. We pray that as we launch our life groups and finish this series, 
that you would bind us closer to one another, and that everything we do in this community first be rooted in lo the love you have for us, and in turn, the love we have for each other. We pray these things through the power of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.